So let me just say this. If you're here this weekend and you're not a Christian, you're just kind of on the, on the exploration trail. Maybe you're checking things out. Maybe you're just kicking the tires. I just want you to know, first of all, we're so glad that you're here. If you're here with us, we hope you have a wonderful experience. You are our VIP guests for the weekend. But I've also got good news for you. And the good news is that uh, you're off the hook this weekend because what I'm going to be talking about is just for Christians. In fact, after you hear what I have to say over the next few minutes, you may never ever want to become a Christian, right? But you just get to sit back and relax this weekend, no pressure, no guilt. But for those of us here who are Christians, in other words, we've, we've been reconciled back to God because we've made the decision to accept what Jesus, cross did, Jesus Christ did by dying on the cross for our sins, his resurrection from the grave to validate that he is in fact the Son of God, who can forgive us of our sins. For those of us who've accepted him and been reconciled back to God, we're gonna be looking at something that God expects from us, and it's this. We have been called to a standard, as we saw last weekend, where we're to do unto others, uh, not as they have done unto us, not what we think they deserve to have done to them. We've been called to this standard as Christians to do unto others as God has done unto us. And that's why we're calling this when it comes to our relationship, the simple life. I mean, it's not that complicated. We just treat the people in our life the way God has treated us. And it's because as we saw last week, we've been invited into this incredible relationship with God. This is a relationship that's characterized by things like forgiveness and mercy and grace. It's characterized by unconditional acceptance. In other words, we've been included in something that we don't deserve to be included in, but because of what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, we have been included anyways. And then God says to us, as you begin to focus on that invitation, as you begin to understand the significance of being in this relationship with me, I want you to do unto others as I have done unto you. And let's just be honest, as we're going to see in this series every week, it's just not that easy to do. Because you look at me and say, hey, Mike, you don't deserve that. And sometimes I look at you and say, you don't deserve that. And sometimes we look at our spouses and say, they don't deserve that. And whenever we respond that way, do you know what God's response is to us? Exactly, exactly. And you don't deserve what I've done for you either. By the way, when you think of treating other people the way God has treated us, I find it helpful to think of a cross. Uh, think of the two dimensions. There's the vertical beam, which represents as Christians our relationship with God. Then there's the horizontal beam that represents the relationship with the people that God has placed in our lives. And when it comes to the vertical, when it comes to our relationship with God, what's interesting is that's actually the easy part. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My greatest battles in life aren't with God. A couple of reasons. One, I learned a long time ago, you're never going to win those battles, so why go to battle anyway? But second, Jesus Christ has already settled those things. I mean, when you think about it, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul is writing, he says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Last week, some, or last night, someone came up to me and said, what if you can't forgive yourself? And what we're going to talk about this weekend, it applies to ourselves too, because we're, we're often the hardest ones to forgive. We're the hardest on ourselves. But here's the thing. If because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God no longer condemns us, then who are we to condemn ourselves? So Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what that means is this, the vertical is taken care of. Think about it. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Through his death, we have the opportunity to be reconciled back into a relationship with God. All of our sins, past, present, future, they're all forgiven. Eternity is taken care of, 
And now when it comes to being a Christian, it's really about the day-to-day adventure that we're on with God as he is in the process into transforming us into the people he designed and created us to be. That's the easy part. That's okay. It's when it comes to those horizontal relationships with the people that God has placed in our lives, that's where it gets tough. That's where it gets sticky. In fact, I came across this quote. To live above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. See, it's it's not the God part. We get to heaven, we're going to be just fine. But right now, it's just not that easy. And that is especially true when it comes to this area, this topic of forgiveness. Paul addresses it in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible turned there, it's exactly where we were last week. And for many of you, the last time you were in the Bible was last week. So it shouldn't be that hard to find Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible or if you can't find it, uh, we're going to put the verses up on the side screen. But it's interesting, when you get to Ephesians chapter 4, you get to verse 31, and Paul begins by giving us, to be honest with you, some very impractical advice. This is what he says in verse 31. Get rid of. In the Greek, literally it could say, stop it. Just stop it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Did I say all? Yeah, all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I want us just to read that verse out loud together. Let's read it together. Here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Any questions? All right, let's pray. We can get out of here early today. Beat the Methodist to the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? No, you, you read that verse. You know what your response is? Well, that doesn't help. Just get rid of it. And it doesn't help for several reasons. First of all, you may be here and you're not sure you have any of this stuff in your life. What does it mean, slander and brawling? And I mean, maybe you don't have it in your life. That's one. Second, if you do have it, you may not want to get rid of it because it gives you an excuse to be so dysfunctional, right? I mean, you get into a relationship about three weeks in, the person says, wow, you are screwed up. And you say, of course I am. Let me tell you my story. And you tell them all about your childhood, your family, the relationships you've been in. And they're like, wow, no wonder you're so messed up. You've got an excuse to be the way you are. And you know what? This has been your lifestyle. This has defined you. So you may not even want to get rid of it because it gives you an excuse for your actions, for your behavior. And then the third reaction is, yeah, you have it in your life and you would love to get rid of it. And I'm hoping that's where you are this weekend. You just don't know how. So you come to church because you hear this this pastor who used to be a PE major, so he can't be that smart, right? So he's going to be talking about forgiveness. And you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, and the the, the great apostle Paul says, when it comes to these areas of anger and malice and bitterness, just get rid of it. And I'll tell you, I'm a bad counselor. In fact, if you email me and we refer you to another pastor on staff, staff, count your blessings. I am a horrible Counselor, I've had people come to my office, and after I give them my biblical insight on issues, they will actually look at me and say, you're the worst counselor I've ever met in my life. I'm like, yeah, told you, right? But I'm telling you, compared to the Apostle Paul, I look like Sigmund Freud. I mean, think about it. You know, you go to the Apostle Paul for an appointment, and many ladies, you walk in and say, I am so angry, I just found out that my husband is cheating on me again. Are you going and say, I am so angry. I just found out that my business partner has been stealing from me for the past three years. I am so angry. And Paul's response would be, oh, wow. Okay, here you go. Just stop being angry. That'll be 150 bucks. Next, you know. (laughs) It just seems so insensitive. Do you know why it seems so insensitive? 
It's insensitive because Paul didn't get to hear your sad story, did he? And if he would have just had the opportunity to hear your sad story, see, his response would be, if that happened to me, I would be mad too. If that happened to me, I would be angry too. I mean, if my parents treated me that way, if my ex treated me that way, if my kids treated me that way, I would be so ticked off. In other words, he would hear your sad story and he would conclude, wow, you hang on to your anger because you have every reason in the world to be angry. You hang on to that bitterness, girl, because you have every reason in the world to be bitter. And so we read this and it's so insensitive for someone who hasn't even listened to our sad story to give us the advice, just get over it. So why in the world would we ever take seriously someone who gives us that kind of advice? A couple of reasons, and this is very, very important because it sets the context. First of all, Paul is not writing this from the Bahamas, okay? He's not writing this from some beach in Hawaii. Paul is writing this letter to this church in Ephesus from a Roman prison. And whenever I meet somebody who's gone through a very tough time, tough circumstances, and they've emerged out the other side, okay, in fact, maybe they've even emerged out the other side better, I want to hear their story. I want to know what their secret is. Because if I'm ever in the same circumstances, I, I want to end up the way it, they ended up. I want to know what did you know that got you through those circumstances. So Paul is writing from a Roman prison. And think about that. This, the reason he's there is because his close friends, who are Jewish leaders, they've turned their back on him. The Christians that he's been helping build these churches, they're scared of him. They don't want to go anywhere near him. They're not supporting him. On top of that, the Roman government has been holding him for, we know, months, maybe even years without a trial. That was illegal even by Roman standards. And it seems like, if you read it, for all practical purposes, God has abandoned him. So when you think about it, Paul has every reason to be bitter and angry and hostile at everybody in his life. And so from a prison, he, he, he writes this letter to a group of people he barely knows. Maybe some of them he's never even met. Maybe they joined the church since he got in prison. And he writes this letter, Dear Church at Ephesus, if you have anger, bitterness, and malice, just stop it. Love Paul. He sends it off to him. Here's why we should take Paul seriously. It's because here's a guy whose circumstances were probably worse than most of ours will ever be. But he thought it was important that you drop this kind of stuff. That you get it out of your life. The second reason we should take him seriously is this. Here's a guy who actually thought it was possible to get rid of stuff like anger and bitterness and malice. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. There have been times in my life where I was so angry at an individual because I was so hurt, I wasn't sure I would ever get over it. There have been times in my life where I was so angry and so hurt, I wasn't sure my life would ever return to normal again. I wasn't sure I would ever be able to see that person again. And so when somebody says to me, just get over it, get rid of it, it means they think you can get rid of it. And I think that describes some of you this weekend. In fact, you would say, I've tried to forgive. I've tried to get over it. I've tried not to be angry. I've tried not to be bitter. 
I, I've, I've tried to get a handle on it. I've tried to move past it. I finally just decided the best I can possibly do is manage it. But I'm never going to get over it. So when a guy who's writing from a Roman prison, who's been hurt by pretty much everybody close to him says, get rid of it, just get over it. When he says, I, I'm telling you, you can be free of the hurt and anger that's in your life, and it won't cost you anything to explore how to do that. Whether you're a Christian or not, I think it's worth paying attention to. Because if some of you, if you told your story today, it would go like this. My anger, my temper, my malicious spirit, my slandering tongue, it has cost me relationally over and over and over again. Some of you could say, my, my mouth burned down my marriage. My temper alienated me from my kids. There's something in me I wish could be gone. Now Paul comes along and says it can be. You can be free of that. Even tells us how, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. So let's put it in the context. He says get rid of anger, bitterness, malice, slander, brawling. And then he says be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's the key word. Here's the secret. Forgiving each other. In other words, Paul says, we can get rid of the bitterness, we can get rid of the anger, we can get rid of the malice, we can get rid of the slander, we can get rid of the brawling mentality by forgiving one another. It's not by just zipping our lips and walking out of the room. It's not by just ignoring the people and the problem. It's not by refusing to deal with it. See, a lot of us, our way of forgiveness is, you know, somebody's in a, we're talking to somebody and they bring up somebody saying, don't ever mention their name again. I forgave them, but don't ever mention their name again, Right? The way we get rid of it is by actually forgiving one another. What is forgiveness? We've talked about this before. Forgiveness is simply this. It's making a decision that someone doesn't owe you anymore. That's all it is. Someone doesn't owe you anymore. It has nothing to do with your emotions. It's not about there's a time in your life where you finally get there and you're ready to forgive someone. It's making this decision that this person who hurt me, they're no longer indebted to me. And I say that because every time you've been hurt, if you think about it, if you process, there's this sense that something has been stolen from you. Something's been taken away from you. It may be something intangible like my dad abandoned our family and he stole from me the opportunity to grow up with both of my parents. Or she stole from me the opportunity to stay married to the love of my life. Or he stole my opportunity to make a lot of money. Or she stole my reputation from me. It may be something intangible. It may very well be something tangible, something they actually stole from you. But every time you've been hurt, I'm telling you, it's because somebody stole something from you. They took something from you that you believed you deserved. And because they took it, because they stole it, it, it created this sense of they owe me. They're indebted to me. Forgiveness is the decision to cancel that debt. It's saying, listen, you took this from me, but I'm not going to wait for you to own up to it. I'm not going to wait for you to apologize. I'm not going to wait for you to come crawling back to me and ask for forgiveness. I'm going to make the decision. You don't owe me anymore. I'm canceling the debt. It's a simple life. That's what forgiveness is. 
And Paul says, if that right there, if that could become the habit of your life, something will happen on the inside of you. It will impact how you talk. It will impact what you say. It will impact your temper. It will impact how you treat the people that God has placed in your life. By the way, 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing this, there were two different Greek words he could have used when he used the word forgiveness. The one he chose to use is a picture of giving a gift. And you don't really care, but in the Greek, it's in a present tense, which means keep on giving, keep on giving, keep on giving, keep on giving. In other words, this is what Paul is saying to Christians. He's saying, Christians, everywhere you go, be constantly giving the gift of forgiveness. In other words, this should just become a lifestyle for you. This should just be something that you naturally do. For example, you hurt me so bad. Here's some forgiveness. You took advantage of me. Here's some forgiveness. You ruined my reputation. Here's some forgiveness. You stole my idea. Here's some forgiveness. You took my spouse from me. Here's some forgiveness. You robbed me of the opportunity of putting my kids to bed every night with both parents. Here's some forgiveness. Paul says as Christians, we're to live a lifestyle of constantly giving the gift, dispensing forgiveness. Here's the problem. That doesn't come easy, does it? And the reason it doesn't come easy is because they really do owe you, don't they? I mean, you're not just making this up. This isn't something you imagined. And so for me to sit up here this weekend and say, hey, you just need to cancel the debt, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Mike, no, that's just not going to happen. They don't deserve it. In fact, you're thinking, if I just forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. It's like I'm rewarding them from what they've done. I'm the victim. I'm the one that's been hurt. They've already taken something from me. Why in the world would I now turn around and give them the gift of forgiveness? You know what the answer is? To be honest, from a human perspective, there really is no good reason to forgive. And that's why we don't do it. We don't see the value in it. But this is what you need to know. Forgiveness doesn't make any sense whatsoever unless, unless you are a forgiven person. And if you're here this weekend and you are a Christian, you know that and you're still having a hard time forgiving, here's why. You've lost sight of the significance that God has invited you into a relationship with him. You've lost sight of the significance that you have been completely, totally, and unconditionally forgiven for all of your sin. But forgiveness doesn't make any sense unless you are a forgiven person. And the degree to which you understand the significance of your forgiveness, I'm telling you, that is the degree to which you will be freed up to forgive the people who have hurt you. But if forgiveness is, is not a part of your life, it, it never crosses your radar screen that you have been incredibly forgiven by God so that you could be in a relationship with him, I'm telling you, there is no real reason, there is no real motivation to forgive the people that have hurt you. Look at how Paul says it in verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as, see those are the huge words, just as, if you want something to compare it to, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, we don't, we don't forgive people because they deserve to be forgiven. 
We don't forgive people because they finally admit they're wrong. We don't forgive people because they finally come crawling back, begging to be back into our lives. We forgive people because we have been forgiven. In a sense, we do let them off the hook. Do you know why? Because God let us off the hook. In a sense, we do say, you don't owe me anymore. Why? Because God said to us, you don't owe me anymore. In a sense, we do say to them, debt canceled. You know why? It's because God looked at our sins, our mess, and said, debt canceled. That's why we forgive. And that's why Paul, writing from a Roman prison, realizing that everybody pretty much in his life had deserted him and turned their back on him, could write, you know what? When it comes to forgiveness, just do it. Just forgive. But Paul, you don't know what they've done. You know what Paul would say? <laughs> you've forgotten what you've done. But Paul, you don't know how bad they are. You know what Paul would say? You know what? You don't remember how bad you were. I'm telling you, when the focus is taken off the person who hurt us and it's put on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, all of a sudden, forgiveness becomes more of a reality. Because at the cross, Christians, we lost our right not to forgive. At the cross, we're reminded we had a debt we could not pay, but through Jesus, our Heavenly Father said, debt canceled. And whereas forgiveness, when you really think about it, often costs us no more than a little bit of pride, it costs God his most valuable possession, his son, Jesus Christ. Now, <laughs> I'm not naive to, enough to think that you can just show up here on a weekend and I'm going to talk for a few minutes and everything's going to be fixed. This is one of those areas that you, that you have to process. And, and you may have to deal with it as we, we go into the week. And so I'm, I'm going to give you a little assignment to do uh, that will help you. And this is based on uh, years ago, uh, Laura and I just celebrated 35 years. Years ago, we went through a book that talked about the second half of marriage. And it was based on the fact that the fastest growing divorce rate in America, it's people who have been married 25 years and longer. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is we've become a nation where our children sit on the thrones of our home. And parents, we just kind of circulate around them like the planets, right? They're the sun, we're the planets, you know? We're Pluto and Dumbo. We're just kind of going around them. And this is what I want. Okay, honey, this is what I need. Okay, honey, this is where I need to go. Okay, honey. And so, that's your, and so all of a sudden, the kids leave home. And you're stuck looking at each other like, who the heck are you? And I don't even know if I like you anymore. So, you know, so what happens is they come to my office and I hear statements like this. You know what? We really don't have a marriage anymore. Whatever we had, we've lost. And I'm, at the, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still young enough. Even after 25 years, I, th I think I still look good enough. If there's a chance for me to find happiness in marriage, I, 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 it's better me cut my losses and do it now. See, I'm looking at them thinking, yeah, there ain't a chance. There ain't a chance. <laughs> That ship sail, baby. But anyway, but, but see, I don't say that because I'm such a good counselor. So that's, that's part of the reason. That's part of the reason. I hear that a lot. Uh, the other reason is all this baggage that you've been carrying for 25 years, you've never gotten rid of. You keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. So one of the things the writer of the book mentioned, uh, recommended, and I don't even remember the writer of the book, but he said, uh, you know, you and your spouse, you get a card, and uh, 
you write in the card everything that you keep bringing up, you've never let go. And you write in the card, and your spouse does it for you, and then you exchange the cards. And, and then you say, we're never going to bring it up again. We're going to get rid of it. So Laura and I sat down. It was a Valentine's, and, and I wrote the two things uh, that uh, she had offended me over. One was she said, I don't understand why people hate Carolina fans. I would write that down right there. I, it's just so, it's ridiculously insensitive. But anyway, uh, and then she's like on her 19th card. And I said, okay, enough already, honey. I, I, get, I get the point. I get the point. And then we exchanged them, and we read, and we basically said, never bring it up again. And we threw them in the fireplace and burned them. So I want to give you something similar to that. I'm going to encourage you to go home. And I'm going to encourage you to get a pen and some paper. And I want you to do this. I want you to begin by just identifying the people in your life that you haven't forgiven. It should be pretty easy for us. It's the person, the mere mention of their name. Or you see them on the street. You know what it is for me? This is how I can identify them in my life. I have imaginary conversations with them. You ever do that? Where you're driving or cutting the grass and you're like, well, I'll tell you what, if I ever get the right situation, this is what I'm going to tell them, you know. And I got it all laid out, four points, and there's usually a crowd there cheering me on. Like, yeah, Mike, go, you're doing the right thing, you know. And there's this crucial moment when I drop the bomb and they fall on their knees. And how could I have ever done that? You, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. It never works out that way. But, you know, that's how I know, ooh, you know. Because this is what's interesting. When you're doing that, you know what it means? It means they have a hook in you. And they're controlling you. And that's baggage you're still carrying every day of your life. So just kind of keep that in mind. So I want you to, to get a piece of paper and just write it down. It could be a parent, write down mom, dad. Could be, a, could be a former boss, you know. Could be an ex-spouse. Could be your child. But you just make a list, you know, the guy that got to start on the varsity team and you're a big baby and you've never gotten over it. You're still mad at him. Just, just write all their names down. Here's the second part. And this is key. Determine what they owe you. You cannot forgive a debt until you've defined what is the debt. What is, it, what is it they owe you? What is it that you're holding over their head? So you ask, what did they take from me? What did they, it, could be, it could be a job promotion. It could be they took away from you a happy marriage. It could be your innocence. It could have been your childhood. What is it that they owe you and then the third part is, you cancel the debt. You let it go. You make the decision, they don't owe me. This is what you do. After you've made your list, you fold it up, and then you get a marker, and you, you do this. You just put a cross on it. Because this reminds me that I'm to forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven me. I'm to cancel their debt as God in Christ has canceled my debt. And it reminds me that at the cross, I lost my right not to forgive. And just let it be. Find you one of these things. And just let it be a permanent reminder. They don't owe me. I'm canceling all these debts. I'm deciding you don't owe me anymore. And you let it go. And I wish I could say you'll never think about it again. 
But you and I, we both know those feelings, those emotions, they're going to creep back in. But this is a key part. Just as your mind starts to go there, and there are times I have to do this, you say out loud to yourself, they don't owe me. They don't owe me. I canceled the debt. I remember doing it. They don't owe me. And see, this is key. You shift your focus from that person that hurt you. You shift your focus from that person that has crept back into your mind to God who forgave you. And you say, God, thank you for forgiving me for what I owed you. And just as you canceled my debt and it cost you the life of your son, I distinctly remember canceling the debt of that person. They don't know me. Clara Barton was the founder of the American Red Cross, and one time she met a friend she, and who reminded her of, of an incredible, vicious deed that was done against her, Clara Barton, years earlier. And as the friend's talking about it, Clara Barton's acting like she doesn't know what she's talking about. And finally her friend says, don't you remember? And Barton responded, no. I distinctly remember forgetting it. That's what it means to cancel the debt. Somebody once asked Abraham Lincoln after the South and the Civil War, he says, President Lincoln, how will you treat them when they return? He said, I'll treat them as if they never left. That's canceling the debt. You know what some of you are thinking right now? <laughs> I am so sure there's no way in the world they're getting off that easy. I'll tell you why. It's because you've lost sight or maybe you just never understood the significance. And I think this is the big one. Maybe you've never understood the significance of what God has done for you. We don't, deserve, we, we, we don't forgive people because they deserve to be forgiven. We forgive people because we're forgiven people. And I know because whenever I speak on this subject, I know what happens. And right now there's a lot of thoughts and emotions and feelings and what's my next step? Do I do this or not? Do I even want to forgive? Do I want to hang on to it? So let me just give you this illustration and I'll close. If you went to the doctor this week and you discovered that you had cancer, you would spend very little time trying to figure out where it came from. You would spend very little time focusing on the source. Your primary concern would be the solution. You don't want your doctor to sit down and give you a history lesson of cancer. You want to know what's the solution? How do I get this out of my body? See, Paul helps us. Think of it this way. Paul would say bitterness and anger are like cancer. They just eat away at our soul. They just eat away, not just at the person we're angry at, they eat away at all of our relationships. And Paul says this, would you quit focusing on the source? You focused on the source long enough. The source has defined you for years. Will you quit focusing on the source and would you finally move on to the solution? Because as long as you stay focused on the source of your anger and your bitterness, you will never be free. And here's why. It's because the person that hurt you, they can't set you free. The person that hurt you, they can never pay you back. They can't return years of misery. They, they can't give you back your childhood. He can't become your daddy again. She can't become your mommy again. He can't make up for all the games he missed. She can't give back to you all those years of marriage that she stole from you. The abuse can't be erased. The betrayal can't be undone. They can't pay you back. They can't free you from your bondage to the past. 
So why in the world would you spend years and years and years of your life carrying around all of this baggage, holding a debt over someone's head that they can't pay back anyway? There's only one person that can set you free. And that's Jesus Christ, your Savior. And so somewhere along the way, we have to shift our focus from the source of our hurt to the source of our forgiveness. And only then will you be set free. I do want to leave you with this. We do have a class that's coming up starting May 13th, just a couple of weeks, Total Forgiveness. It's taught by Dr. Carla Ross here at the Raleigh campus. It's a four-week class. You can sign up online. You may want to check that out. Would you bow with me? Let me just say this. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm not sure what to say to you about forgiveness because the reality is you are in a difficult situation. I'm sure you've seen the damage that not forgiving can, has done in your, your life, probably in your relationships, and maybe you've tried to get rid of the anger and the bitterness, and you can't, and you, you've really, really tried to forgive, but you can't. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I don't know what to say to you except this. If there ever comes a point in your life where the pain gets so intense and the anger gets so relentless, and if you ever get to the point where you think, I can't do this anymore, then I have some great news for you. God will meet you at that moment. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he went ahead and died for your sins, whether you wanted him to or not. So he's already your savior. He's, he's kind of just waiting for you to realize you need saving. And maybe what will finally bring you to that point is this issue. Maybe you'll find yourself saying, I need to be saved from my anger. I need to be saved from my bitterness. And I just want you to know, when you get to that place, you've taken a giant step toward being in a relationship with the one who can forgive you of your sins. And as you begin to discover the freedom that comes with that forgiveness, you will become a person who will then become free to forgive others. Father, thank you for your forgiveness, unconditional, total forgiveness. As Christians, just remind us of the significance of that. And Father, I pray right now with those who, they're angry, they're bitter. The hurt and the anger of the past has defined who they have, they've, they've become today. And, and, and they want freedom, I believe that with all my life heart I just pray that they would sense that the minute they turn to you and say God forgive me of my sins that you're waiting and it's only then when we get to that place where we experience forgiveness that we find the freedom from the past it's as if the chains fall off and we're, we're free to move forward and Father, only then do we find it within ourselves because we have been so radically forgiven. We find the freedom to forgive others. I pray right now, Father, you would work in our hearts and our minds and do in us what only you can do as you renew us and you transform us into the people you've created us to be. But may we find healing today. May we find peace today. 
And I pray for those who are struggling so much to forgive themselves. And right now, Father, remind them that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you don't condemn us, who are we to continue to condemn ourselves? Set us free. In your name we pray.